Hello and welcome to For the Love of Mary, a podcast series that tracks my journey to finding the relationship between the Virgin Mary and the position of women in Ireland. It's told through the conversations and stories shared with some of the most amazing women on this island. My practice as an artist is very much founded in the idea of gathering the stories of women and this project was no different. Supported by the Arts Council of Northern Ireland, SIAP Award, I was able to travel to meet with women, research the ideas that came up in our conversations, document shrines, all with a view of getting to the bottom of why she's so prevalent in Irish culture, and from that create new works of spoken word and poetry. I had no script, no questions drafted. So what you're about to hear are all very much responsive conversations. I hope you enjoy this journey just as much as I did. Don't forget to share and subscribe and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to episode eight of For the Love of Mary podcast. In this episode I get to speak with um, Deidre Maher, a woman who I met through Clare Women's Network. As I mentioned in the previous podcast I put the call out to um, that their network um, and Deidre was one of the women that got back in touch with me um, and agreed to do the, agreed to have a conversation with me and share her stories. Um, as you will hear, her conversation is emotionally raw. It's an exploration into the hurt and the shame that women have carried for so long and that women continue to carry over the choices that we make or the the choices that we are forced to make um and not having not having a sense of being fully autonomous um the atrocities that have been committed against women and yeah it's just i felt a sense of um i felt a sense of responsibility in trying to ease that pain through the conversation even though that is not it was just proper heartbreak to sit and 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 share uh share her stories anyway i will let you crack in and i will we'll, we'll chat on the other side um stick with it she's these are the stories that need told these are the stories that need listened to this is this is the reality for women um and this is this is what this project was about so you know enjoy and thanks for listening okay so uh can i get your name deirdre Marker. hi deirdre thank you so much for taking part and for doing this um so as I said, it's just a conversation around and gathering the stories of women and their experiences of the Virgin Mary. Um, and that's, you know, like I said in the email, I've had stories from a friend who took shelter in a grotto um, uh, after getting rained out of her tent at a festival weekend and hugging the Virgin Mary uh, for shelter um, because it was torrential rain. Um, <clears throat> I've, I've talked to uh, a woman who was in a mother and baby home um, I've had I've, I've talked to a girl who 
her aunt took her to Lourdes for her 18th birthday um, whilst all her friends were going to Amsterdam and she had an absolute blast. So it's really, it, there's no prescribed kind of, I have no agenda um, other than gathering the stories of women and what their experiences are. Cool. Um, what does Our Lady mean to us? You can tell I was brought up Catholic, saying Our Lady. Um, I was brought up Catholic, so from saying Hail Marys to the seasonal confessions. laden with guilt that you didn't fully comprehend at the time to a rosary said it leaning over leaning at the back back of chairs yeah kneeling down at this and the chairs being your rest as we most catholics did to my mother and my sister for a short time going around with the a statue of the of Our Lady, for the Legion of Mary. I often said it to my sister; it was a real tie for her between that and wearing her see-through blouses to go over to the dances, in her see-through blouses and her stilettos, and her dark red lipstick. I must find the stilettos one. Um, she's no longer Catholic. Um, to hearing about and love it. When I think of Our Lady, I can. Yes, I. To me, it's Catholicism. I was fourteen; she was fifteen. I remember it being discussed and not being discussed. I remember the emotions attached to it. And yet it wasn't discussed. It wasn't discussed in school. And I, you know, I did my leave in certain age. That was 83, I believe. I was 14. I did my leave in certain, uh, in 1986, at 17. Um, I became pregnant at 27. At 27, I might as well have been 17. And I still, I wasn't shouting about it because I wasn't in a steady relationship, let alone married. I hid it for five months. On my 27th birthday, I got on the train to Cork to friends that I had told. I went to dinner in a pub in Tipperary, lovely North Tipperary, with my father, my sister and her husband. My sister was ready to drop, ready to have my nephew Bill. I was silently and quietly pregnant about three, four months, not yet shown by mature to, I to, ensured to keep it covered with baggy jumpers. All the chat was going on about her pregnancy and about the, the new O'Connor. I sneaked away on the train with a grunt from my father because I was walking out. 
the train fare being given my by my brother and I know this is in the counselling session but this has all got to do with Catholicism and that's what Our Lady symbolised to me so it is relevant oh, totally, yeah. I'm not playing the victim I went down and I stayed with my friends for a time being and could have stayed there for the last of my pregnancy but I chose to to stay in the infamous, notorious Besborough mother and baby home. Only it was purely a hostel, so it's strictly a hostel. That's all it was. Yet there were some girls there that were actually there with the intention of placing their child for adoption, and they did. One of them, who was from the north, actually I recall her writing to me afterwards and saying the nuns actually gave her travel, it was called traveling expenses, when she was on the train after handing over her lovely baby. She was adopted herself and had had a very good experience, but she was in college. All this is relevant because those walls screamed of past bullshit and hypocrisy from the Sisters of Mercy. So sorry, but when I think of Our Lady, I think of and love it lying there. I wrote this just as a matter of interest while I was waiting outside. Were you there as an... Were you there when they found Anne Lovett in 1983? Anne 15, I-14. Were you there when she hid her tears as she hid her belly that would not subside, hearing the whispering cries? Now you'll pay for that ride that'll stop you in your stride. Were you there as Anne tried to give birth alone, cold, terrified, as she chose you to stand by and prayed that it would help her having you close by, somehow close by. Were you there as she muffled her screams as she was roaring inside, not knowing what to do, yet instinctively knowing as she gave birth? Were you there? Where were you? Were you there? Were you there as she took her last breaths? Her baby, was he's first, he's last? Was it a he? Did you see? Were you there? Where were you? Were you there? Our Lady, Our Lady is meant to be comfort. Our Lady um, was a mother, sister, a daughter, a woman. (laughs) the immaculate conception from the day we were born we were taught that being a woman in the full essence of being female was dirty was wrong I should not in 1996 I should not and it's crazy I was 27 I'm 50 now and I was told a couple of months ago, yes, from my blood test, yes, you are in the change, which I was telling my GB back west eight years ago. But, and I felt somehow sorry, even though it was no picnic at times, given 
raising a child single, but she was still there. The shame of being a lone parent, bullshit aside, there's lone parents, there's all the help, bullshit. Who did you have her for? Uh, or in my family business that was, they used to look at her as a baby. They turned their head sideways. See, who does she look like? It was casual. He wasn't relationship material. I wasn't hunting for a husband. I was hunting for escapism. But by God, they made you feel every bit of the guilt. So our lady, I'd like to think, I, I think what we knew was a male version, was a man-made version. Yeah. A man-made version. Um, sorry, I'll finish now in a minute. Um, the road, the confessions, going down into confession and the enforced confessions. From healing Mary's to confessions, to rosaries leaning on a chair, to water fountains, to grottos as photo backdrops, to misplaced guilt and shame, to knock lords just in case blessings and prayers, to penance for the sibling war battles, bad language and the sins that you dared to share, that you were that were yours to bear, and the rest no one was aware. Our our lady for all that you were there for and much more. Or the man-made version of you. Our Lady, she's just a prayer, a statue of feeling. Oh. Oh. So, Our Lady, what does she mean to me? She symbolizes Catholicism. She symbolizes... She symbolizes guilt and shame and whatnot. I've done different workshops over my time and transpersonal and shamanism mainly and would have seen her but Mary, more so Mary Magdalene who they had down as a whore a prostitute and she wasn't but yeah, yeah it's fitting yeah. so that's why I see her I'd like to think that she really is as in love at hope she was that in oh my god what she must have and her sister committed her sister not committed because they, they took the sin out of it. Not that it was ever the, per, the person that died. Their sin. It's society's sin. Um, she died by suicide shortly afterwards, a few months afterwards. Um, I'd like to think of her as being a mother, comforting or mothering. Yeah. I'd like to think of her as being nurturing and nourishing, wholesome, yeah. uh, embracing. Yeah. empowering women yeah i think the image of the the virgin mary that we kind of we, we're used to having that's that's there i mean when you look at the grottos and you look at the statue she's very sexless yeah she, she doesn't have that womanly shape there's no. nothing really identifying her as a woman she's robed she's just a figure that's shrouded and there's nothing there but then when you look at like when you look at the scriptures and and she she doesn't she doesn't say very much through the scripture like she's not she's not very vocal she doesn't have a voice as as such but then it was written by men 
and years after the supposed death of, of, of Jesus. But the little encounters that you have with her in the Bible, they're fucking amazing. Like, they're just, they have that mother figure. They have that, 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 you know, like she, when Jesus is 12, he goes missing. And she goes into the temple and she finds him there in the temple. And it's like, I've been searching for you for three days. Three days we've been worried, looking for you. And I kind of imagine her with the arms folded and the toe tapping and where, where, where were you? And he's just very cavalier, sort of shrugs his shoulders and says, you know, where did you think I would be? I'm doing my father's work. And I imagine her kind of like, oh, you're doing your father's work? <laughs> you give me yeah, idea. just you with you, I'll get you home and then we'll see what your father's work is. You know, and I, I, I kind of have... I like that idea of that 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 more human idea, and then later on, you know, you have the wedding at Cana, and you know the 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 couple that sort of like disgraced and the whole wine thing, and oh my goodness, you know, like there's no good wine, and they they've only had to pass out the bad wine, and and so because it would have been that you'd have given the good wine first got everybody drunk and then the bad wine would have been brought out everybody would have been too smashed to even notice but they didn't have that they only had the bad wine so it was like oh jeepers so she goes to him and she's like jesus you you could do this and he says i'm not ready to do this and she doesn't take no for an answer from him she goes off to the servants and says Whatever he needs, you get it for him. And that's it, and it's done. And the next thing, the couple have their wine. And it's the best wedding. And it's the best wine. So I imagine her as being this formidable character that has been sanitized and diluted over the years to suit the purposes of putting women in a place that wasn't really where we were supposed to be. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think there's a lot of there's kind of a lot of healing in looking at her in that way. I'm, I mean, I've I've been given I have some uh, my partner um came in uh, with this box full of stuff that he had brought from home and <laughs> comes in with his statue and he's like, you're gonna love this. This is this tiny little statue of Mary that's about this height. But she's got the crossest look on her face. It's like <laughs> she, she, it really is. She's standing in prayer position, but she is like vicious. <laughs> Jesus, to see if I get you home, you know. And it's it's and she's just pissed off, and I and I love it. So it sits on my mantelpiece in the house, and it's like that is real. That's the Mary that I want. That's the Mary that I can have have like uh, a connection with because you know as a parent you look at your kids and you look at, and there are points where you look at your kids and go I only like you when you're sleeping <laughs> I only fucking like you when you're sleeping <laughs> and then and then if you're like me you'll take photographs of your children when they're sleeping just to remind you that they do actually fucking sleep they do actually go to sleep <laughs> it's not as bad <laughs> you have these moments of oh, I love my children <laughs> You know, like I was 16 when I had my son, you know. Wow, I couldn't imagine being 16. Yeah, it was 16. I was 27, I might as well have been 16. Yes. Because I was very kind of naive, like. Yeah. Well, not (laughs) naive. Some would argue that, but as regards that, as regards motherhood. Oh my goodness. But I think this is what annoys me, is the whole... Society thrusts all this 
shame and guilt and you know so what I I'm single and I happen to be a mother and I was single and happened to be a mother and I didn't change from that she's 23 now yeah <laughs> I'm still a mother but like it didn't change over the years yeah you know so but like it's society had put the flicking put the obstacles there they put the shame and everything you know that if that had been wiped away, I couldn't forget that. It was always there. Yeah. And that sounds ridiculous because, I mean, God knows what our sisters went through in the 50s. Yeah. And to think I was in the same place. And then, funnily enough, she went to a local Gwail school for a couple of years and suited the Gwail thing. So she happened to go from there to back to within the grounds but um, another field if you like site attached to a Steiner school till we actually moved to Clare this was in Cork and I just thought what a turnaround and I remember them doing I think it was a candle mass ritual because um, Steiner school is very you know kind of I suppose for want of a bit of word, kind of not pagan, but they have that kind of twist. And one of the nuns who had been there when I gave the couple of months just staying there. Yeah. Oh, the a social worker did come in to see my baby though. Yeah. After and my daughter after she was born, and I looked at her as if to say it was just a free bed. Piss off, like you know. But just in case you were, you know, we're here if you need us. Um, yeah. So you can imagine back years ago. Yeah. Well, 1995 is when I had my son. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he's 24. Okay. And yeah, I was 16. And I do remember being in the hospital and being for one of my appointments. And, you know, this, um, the, 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 the midwife that was there and she was doing my checks and like my blood pressure and all of that stuff. And she looked at my record and saw, you know, 16. And went, okay. Oh. Um oh, I see I see you're 16. Um mm, we we're going to have to get social services to come and speak to you cuz obviously I was under age of consent. Oh, and I had said to her, "Oh no, no, no. Social services have already been out with me. They've already come out and they've talked to me. The police have already come out and talked to me and we they've done their investigation and and everything has been fine and so she gets on the phone and she's talking to the gateway team the, to social services she's like she thinks that somebody from social services has been out I'm like no i know that somebody from social services has been out and it's that yeah it is that level of shame of your single and unmarried and young and yeah, I so I to, I totally get it. Mm. I completely understand mm. that, you know. Um, and yeah, it's 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 hard when when you think of what women what women have to bear. Oh yeah, and I you bear. know, and I was it was just somewhere free, and I didn't want to be a burden to my friends. You know, I wanted to be independent as much as possible. Yeah, but yeah, there were girls there was it was totally different but to think of what went on in yesterday year and i feel it at the same time i feel it was part of my journey and even part of my daughter's journey yeah 
you know, in a funny way. And I kind of think of like the walls would talk to you. There was a room down at the back and it was brown front of the cigarette smoke. You know, just before, you know, we were all very aware of, you know, um, the dangers. Um, Or not, but, you know, some of us smoked occasionally. Shoot me. Um, (laughs) um, And like, I think, when I think back, I suppose 20, 30 years before me, what were the stories? Yeah. What were the stories? What were the stories? What has come out recently about kind of the babies? They want to know where the bur- babies are buried in Besborough. Where, where, where did they go? Where, where's the site? You know. Yeah. Um, I had her in a room, kind of. Oh yeah, they decided no, you can't stay in your your room upstairs, not the first floor, because you know you have her now. Not safe. So I had to take one of the the bottom rooms, and I'm guessing, I believe I asked because I asked. Um, it was actually a ward, and it was like uh, one of those old school rooms with a kind of partition, you know, the the doors that can half half the room. Oh yeah. Here was thick. I remember walking in one time, and she was just only an infant, and. And all the, all the thickin, all the our lady statues around the place and every single one. Yeah. The air was thick. I walked in and there was a, nith, a mist, literally. Because you know the way they say babies are, they're pure energy. So if anyone's going to attract the, you know, and I'd say all the, all the spirits that were probably overseeing. All the babies that had been born in that room alone. And all those that were back to visit and see how things were, you know, all, everything attached to it. Yeah, I'd like to have a good really I would like to have a, yeah, as you said, woman to woman relationship with her. If I, but can I ever leave the whole Catholic thing aside? Can I know it, like you were saying, can I know it that way? Can I know it without Catholicism always there to taint it and as a, an add on yeah. the shame and guilt or you know is it a case of do I try and think of something pretty from the first the only thing I can think pretty from going to convent school and nuns and sister Oliver saying that you know she wouldn't even drink out of a glass because it's associated with pubs and alcohol and the demon drink to try and to force you to knit and your big eights and it just not working and to kind of us dancing the maypole outside which is a kind of isn't it originally a pagan yeah, kind of thing yeah nuns uh, but just, and they symbolized, they kind of, it's hard to think of Our Lady as a woman, as a person, separate from that, separate from kind of the negative, the, depending who your parents were, yeah. is how they were, depending how your siblings behaved before you, yeah. was how you got treated by the nuns. Right. And uh, I suppose there were 
gagging for a shag. <laughs> they couldn't. Sorry, you can edit. <laughs> no, um, and asshole. So, <laughs> yeah, so you'd kind of and you'd whinge if you'd slap the girl beside you in the desk, a slap, and you kind of lower your eyes quickly lest you get one in. Yeah. In unionism with it. Our lady. And love it. Uh, how how we can leave it. Uh, things have not changed that much. They have. But not really. I mean, like a sea. Sort of that rock. And every time you think that there's something forward. Mm. It sort of shifts. They're still trying to hold on to yeah. it. But if you're, if you're talking about, you know, thousands of years of, of, of the system, thousands of years of repression, thousands of years of, of, of saying it's one way, to dismantle that and uh. to change that is, is, is going to take work. Um, but I think, you know, I was saying to Arlene, I, I, was, at a, I was at a rally in Derry and I, had, I was speaking at it and... It, it was around that the president of the the country that we're just not mentioned that gobshite of a man um and his visit to Ireland and mm. and yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was just sort of like his his kind of meddling in women and, and um and saying that we have to stop behaving like we're a minority. We have to stop being treated like we're a minority. We are not, as women, we are not a minority. We are, and as Arlene said, in Ireland, we're a majority. 51% of the population is female. We're, we have to start being treated in that way and having that balance. And I think that, I think that women are becoming brave and our voices are becoming louder and we're connect we're seeing that this idea that we've had for a very long time of women hating each other and it is it's founded in these ideas of not being good enough not measuring up having this like um that that you have to be virtuous and pure and you can't speak out and you can't step above this line or 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 beyond these out these limitations of what is you and that we hate each other so much or we grow up to think that we're supposed to hate each other and I think that when we start banding together and sharing together and talking and and saying and saying together no we're not a minority we we need these things this is the way our lives should be so that our daughters coming up and our granddaughters coming up but why do we why do women seem to, why is there kind of, why does there seem to be such comparisons and competition between each other? Because, we, because we've been force-fed an idea that you'll grow up, you'll get married, you'll settle down, you'll have children. That's your, that's your, that's your life map is, is done in this way. And, you know, we tell, it, we tell, like, look at the fairy tales that we tell our children, we tell our daughters. The older woman hates the younger woman because she's beautiful and wants to kill her. (laughs) 
the good and virtuous and pure and subservient and you the, the one that does all of the work in the house is the nice one and the pretty one and the other yeah, with the delicate little feet with the tiny feet and she takes up so little space and she's so pretty and she's so lovely and she will get the man and the two sisters beside her hate her because she will take the man because they both and they hate each other because they both want the man the same man and they're ugly. And they're ugly yeah. because they're they're they they know what they want and they go do you know and they want to go for it. When you look at the tale of the little mermaid and you know she sells her voice. She sells her voice for legs and feet that cause her pain. But she does that so that she will get the man. She doesn't. She sleeps outside his bedroom on a pillow. He lets her sleep outside his bedroom on a pillow. She eventually turns to sea foam, but she makes a deal with a businesswoman who's vilified. You know, it's so we tell these stories to our children. Why do our daughters grow up thinking that they have to be competitive against each other? Because we teach them that they have to be competitive against each other. Whereas if we teach them that, and I suppose you, we show by example too, don't we? Yeah. And it, the, all it takes is, okay, I spent, when I was 18, I was in a woman's aid refuge with my son. And when I was there, so they had like a communal kitchen. and you, It's horrible, menopause. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Sorry. We, we shared a communal kitchen and we shared like so the cooking space, but the eating, there were tables all mm-hmm. there. And there was a family in the refuge at the same time as me. And it was the grandmother and the mother and her children. So three generations of women in this refuge at the same time. And I was this young, naive 18-year-old with a two-year-old son and was just kind of like skirting by, not having a fucking clue what I was doing. Um, and they invited me around their table. They invited me to their, their table to join in their meal and share in their stories and share in their conversations invited me into their family and we sat around that table and we talked and and that experience has stayed with me throughout my life because when women get together around a kitchen table magic happens when we share our stories together it's this ineffable thing that we repair hurt and we share love and there is nothing so bad that cannot be talked about over a cup of tea and I think that is like so that's been a sort of foundation of my practice as an artist is sitting down and sharing stories with women in an attempt to I don't know heal my heart share in that healing I don't know. Uh, thank you for sharing. Share and bear witness. Because yeah. we are all one. Yeah. Might be different stories, but the that's, feelings are, the emotions are the yeah. same. We all feel in one or different way. It, there is no competition. Mm-mm. You know, there isn't. No. There isn't. We're not in competition then. It's like, it's like, 
Like it's uh, this temporary nuisance and that's all it is and that's all I see it as and that's all I'll ever and I have to fight other people outside that try and label me. Yeah. I will not be labelled. I'm not giving it this a label. I, I Because that's just in order for doctors to try and make money. I do not do labels. Yeah. But if when you kind of refuse to be labelled you will get people, outsiders, strangers, ask you 101 times yeah. and you'll give them the same answer and it's almost like saying, own up to it. Own up to what you have. Own it. I own me. I own my shit. Yeah. I do. I own it. This, if this has taught me anything, it's only now I'm really standing into my power. I mean, I mightn't be able to feckin' walk down to the post office without my knee buckling, yeah. but by Jesus, I would crawl through through anything now. Yeah. To uh, uh, if you're talking, every curse has a blessing, and blessing has a curse. But that's it. But we should be standing together. We should because mm. we we should. And I think of my twenty three year old with a man that's old enough to be her nearly almost her father and is it through because of having an absent father and why is that i mean it isn't what i've taught her i've always been open um is it because it's what she's feeding into through telly media however that she you know that she's not a full person without it must be that she's picking up on yeah all that like when does it stop where how does it stop where does it stop i think it's it's at least we we need to be talking we need to be open and honest yeah if more people were real i think that should be a, yeah and women and we should yeah. we and shouldn't be afraid that's the revolution what is to be honest yeah because you know it is like, I mean, Jesus Christ, there's been enough. When you think of it, like, that there are women that are, that are just, that had to wait for, for apologies yeah. from the mother and baby homes. Yeah. Just an apology, the actual babies that had been buried or toddlers, whatever. Yeah. And it's, this is, what year are we in 2019? Like, I mean, I'm sorry, it's crazy. It and they're still, they'll still speak in hushed tones on prime time or whatever on the news. Almost like they still carry shame that was never theirs to carry. Like, why? Catholicism. I'd get to know Mary if she got separated from that shower, but see, that's why I'd attach her to. You know, and uh, yet, yeah, there's part of me that will possibly, if I was, uh, if I if I felt I was uh, on my way out, I'd probably uh, uh, resort to saying a prayer because I'm conditioned to it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that I would like to see her as being, yeah, as you said, a modern woman, a strong woman. That, that woman, that mother, that yeah. I mean, the, the reality is, is that we have, well, the reality, she's, a, in my head, she's a character, um, but, you know, 
She's a, she's a character that was 13. She wow. was a child. Yeah, wow. I mean, I was 16. I was a 13. child. 13, 14, yeah, around there. What did she know? You know, so, yeah, I think, I think, I think we, we're, I don't think the blame rests on her. No. I think no, the blame no. rests on those men that designed Oh no, no, not her at all. No. It's just, it's how, when you say, what does she mean to you? Yeah. When, you can't help think of her without thinking that. that and that's not fair, of course, that, but yeah. isn't that how it's been, what we've been brought up with? Yeah. The whole, uh, that idea of perfection, idealized feminine perfection. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not even, you know, she, she didn't have sex. No. She didn't, she, you know, like she, she didn't do any of the, she didn't die. She didn't <laughs> decompose. She ascended to hell, heaven so she, that she wouldn't be defiled. You know, how are you ever supposed to live up to that? No. That's not really a, a, a solid image of, and yet whenever she was, you know, she was a big figure in the middle, in the middle East ages and uh, like in medieval times because of her humanity you know they drew on her humanity that this woman this mother suffering this woman watching her child die holding cradling her son her grown you know man. man son and he's there dead emaciated and his proportions are childlike in comparison oh. to her because we're it evokes that response that exact response of oh that the horror of that and then you see it change and it's very it's a very modern the concept of the the image that we have of mary now this robed figure this you know like shrouded figure that's that's very de-sexed she doesn't you know she she can't see boobs she can't you, see, you can't she can't see, see boobs, anything yeah. that's womanly yeah. about her this is a, a more modern concept of what okay. what mary is and it is, it's about oppression of women. It's a, it's a, it's about control and it's about, you know, being virtuous and being, being pious and being pure. But yeah, um, she's a, she's a, an incredible character, I think. And then they, and a, and a total example, probably a pure example of the damage done to women mm. there's that at least I think that's what my journey is so far yeah. has been pointing out but um, thank you so much for having this conversation thank with you. me and hopefully we'll get a cup of tea and thank you for listening to this episode 8 of For the Love of Mary podcast Thank you to the Arts Council of Northern Ireland for their support through this project um, in allowing me to um, meet with women like Deirdre um, and have the conversations and record their stories and put together these podcasts along with the, the poetry that has been written from these podcasts. Um, yeah, continue to please continue to listen. Please continue to like, share, subscribe, do all of that stuff. Um, Thank you so much and I will catch you next time.